This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. It's Wednesday and you know what that means. Welcome to episode 98 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott and as always I'm joined by Gavin J. Baxter and Graham Steele. Gents, how's it going? Good, thank you. All well. Uh, what's going on here and Gary? Uh, well, I am in Glasgow and I have taken my microphone set up as usual, but for some reason my USB cable connection appears to be absolutely Robbie nielsen and Therefore, it is not working properly, so you're going to have to put up with a slightly lower, suboptimal vocal quality, I think it's best to say, from, from my end this evening. Now you say you've brought your old microphone, is that correct? That is correct. Well, yeah. the handy thing is that we do know that in Asda and Dundee, you can get a substitute connection. That is true. Would you like me to go and do that now? Five seconds later. <laughs> so I guess that's really not really an option. No, not massively, no. Graham, how was your holiday, mate? You, you weren't here last week. Uh, it was very good, thank you. Excellent. And you missed out on another Don's win. I did. That is becoming a regular occurrence these days. Not me missing them as such, but the Don's wins. I know. Good to think. In a week that saw Duke become the first Aberdeen player since Sam Cosgrove in December 2018 to pick up the Scottish Player of the Month award. And it saw Robbie Nielsen granted some unexpected extra time to sort that here transplant out. It is... I was just going to say, I do hope that he's paid for that hair transplant up front. And that's not an instalment gig, because that could present some issues. Absolutely. It is another busy week on the ABZFP as we bring you our review of the Dons 2-0 win over Kilmarnock in the Cinch Premiership as Robson's Reds make it five wins from five and leapfrog hearts into third spot in the table. Are you going to put that in now, Gav? Ah, uh, the, old, the old tune. Yeah. Pop it in. Boys, take it away. check in with the young team and our loan players in loan watch and after the break we'll take your requests in listeners corner before we move on to preview our penultimate pre-split fixture as the Dons travel to Dingwall on Friday night to face up against mad racist Malcolm McKay's Ross County but first Aberdeen 2 Kilmarnock nil Saturday the 9th of April is in the SPFL Cinch Premiership at Batodry Stadium with Graham Shinney suspended all eyes were on how Barry Robson would fill that beard-shaped hole in the centre of the park, and he opted for youth with Ryan Duncan coming back into the starting lineup in a slightly tweaked Don setup, a 3-4-1-2, with Duncan playing in the hole, allowing the back three and wing backs to remain as was. 
against St Johnston. Jay Horter returning to the bench with Kel Roos retaining his place in the sticks. Hayden Coulson also returning to the subs bench. And it was that man, Duke, who got the game off to a whirlwind start. The Dons battling to win second balls after kickoff through Scales and Duncan. A nice bit of shithousery from Elba Ramadani in the build-up as well before the ball fell kindly from Yovsky. His through pass was laser-guided for Duke, who took one touch before drilling the ball low beyond the walker. And with just 15 seconds on the clock, a goal right up there in terms of the quickest ever seen at the old lady. And despite the early goal, the game then descended into, let's call it a fairly scrappy affair, shall we? Kilmarnock with a chance through Lyons, but his shot was pulled wide before Scales met a Clarkson free kick, but his header was also well wide a goal. The Dons perhaps should have doubled their lead on 36 minutes. Ramadani winning the ball in the centre of the park before feeding Duke. His cutback met by Miofsky, but under pressure from Dorset, he could only stab goal for goalwards which was well stopped by Walker. Kel Roos had Don's hearts and mouths a few minutes later as he attempted to enliven events with some interesting decision-making on the ball before Roos again was called into action to make two great stops as the game edged towards half-time. The first from a Deutsch volley before a fine save to deny, uh, to deny Donnelly a goal after his header from a killy corner seemed destined to nestle in the net. Half-time 1-0, and it was the away side with a brighter start to the second half. Mayo's effort going just wide on 49 minutes before Aberdeen then started to take control of the game. Miofsky with an overhead effort that sailed over the bar before Duncan dallied a little bit too long in a pass from Clarkson allowing Kelly to clear. But the second goal did arrive just on the hour mark. Clarkson with a delightful little ball forward. Miofsky breaking the Kamara defensive line and his cross come shot was turned home by Duke into an empty net for his 15th goal of the league campaign, his 17th in all competitions as he joins Miofsky on the same tally for the campaign. And as news started to break that hearts were falling apart again, at Tynecastle, the home side continued to turn the screw. Pollock's snap effort from a corner clipping the post before Miofsky probably should have done better on 70 minutes after being played in by Clarkson, who was now starting to pull the strings. Miofsky and Duke substituted for Watkins and Babbage. And a fine 14-minute cameo from the under-18 striker linking well with Watkins as the Dons began to see out. Robinson thinking he'd pulled one back for Kilmarnock in the dying embers, but VAR ensured that it was correctly ruled out for offside. Full-time. 2-0 to Aberdeen, the Dons make it five wins on the spin for the first time since the eighth in a row that opened the 2015-2016 league campaign. Three clean sheets in a row for the first time since January 2021. And perhaps more critically, the Dons now guaranteed to finish in the top six and we leapfrog hearts into third spot with a two-point cushion. Quite the turnaround given the gap was 10 points between the sides on the day that Barry Robson took over. In terms of the hashtag data... Possession, 55% to 45% for Aberdeen. Shots, 13 to 16 for Kilmarnock, edging that one out. Shots on target, 3 to 2 in favour of the home side. Expected goals, 2.20 to 1.08 in favour of the Dons. So before we get into the nuts and bolts of the game itself, with the second week running, it's not the prettiest of performances, but with hearts dropping points again, the only thing that really mattered was picking up the three points. Well, I mean, Hearts uh, dropping points is obviously a key factor. Um, Hibs then on Sunday have also dropped points. So it gives us a nice little cushion over them. And the critical thing is, yeah, we got the result. We took advantage. And at this point uh, in the game, in the league season, with seven games left to go, we're in this remarkable position of third place is now actually ours to, to lose. Yeah, I mean, when you score within 15 seconds of the game, and you know the opposition's game plan has just gone completely out the window. Um, you just need to look at the Kilmarnock uh, lineup to know that attack was anything but the best form of defence from their perspective. 
So when you get that early goal, you hope um, as an Aberdeen fan, seeing what we've done at Pataudry, especially this season, that we can go on and make it an, a real a real show for the a good a good crowd at Pataudry. Uh, we know we have some very, very good players. And if anything, also just uh, boosts us in terms of the goal difference, which could become a very real factor um, come the end of round 38 of the league fixture table. Um, after that, I thought it, it became a game that you just had to get through. I thought it was a bit of a slog um, in a lot of occasions and maybe just it was a better performance than St. Johnston, but I did still feel that maybe we just weren't making the the correct decisions at the critical times, especially in the attacking areas. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we still we come away with it, get a comfortable 2-0 win. And uh, yeah, like you say, it's it's a remarkable turnaround. One that you could not have possibly envisaged when Bayer Robson was given the caretaker role. With potentially as many as five European spots on offer again this season, guaranteeing top six also a huge milestone. To do it with two games to spare after, after just how atrocious our post World Cup form was in particular, it's quite some going really, isn't it? And I think, I know that a lot of Aberdeen fans, ourselves included, would say that top six is the absolute bare minimum that we should be aiming for with the budget at our disposal. But given we finished 10th in the seat, 10th in the league last season, it does at least point to an element of improvement, no matter how we, which way, whichever way we've kind of got around to, to getting there this year. I agree with you that the top six is just an invention you know, from the last few seasons. It doesn't really mean anything in any it's not it's not an achievement but taking your point from the the shambles that was last season and looked up until probably about Robson's appointment that we were going to repeat that performance again it has been quite the the turnaround in form I mean top six being guaranteed doesn't really excite me to be honest but the fact that we're now somehow sitting in third with a two-point cushion and the momentum that that does excite me so still you know, still a long way to go, but it's looking a lot better than it did even just, you know, that, that few weeks ago before Robson's appointment. I mean, I completely agree. It's 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 not as though I'm in that Jimmy Calderwood-esque mode of top six is um, something to be celebrated by any means, but the, the crucial thing is, and you just have to look at how tight the league table is, it does mean that we will be in the mix for those European spots guaranteed, and that was critical um when it came to last year and then coming into the season in certain circumstances i would have looked at top six as being um a progression for sure um i do think we've underperformed in in a big in a big chunk of the season especially from home but yeah the league table is the league is crazy right now and it's all that matters is that we are in that position to be able to go ahead and challenge and like i say it, it is now ours to lose Onto the game itself, were you surprised to see Robson go slightly more adventurous, playing with Duncan in that number 10 role that left us maybe one body lighter in midfield, but it did mean he could keep staying back three and then keep McCrory and Hayes in wide areas? I did expect him to take that pragmatic approach of a like-for-like -like switch with McCrory going in, doing the Graham Shinney role and getting the experienced head in Matty Kennedy to play uh, right wing back. So yeah, definitely surprised and surprised that Duncan then did play in what appeared to be a more advanced role. It was very much a case of Ramadani and Clarkson being the midfield uh, duo uh, sitting, doing the doing the doing a lot of the donkey work and allowing um, Duncan to play effectively what appeared to me as being a number ten role. But I have, I'll be honest, I did not I did not hate it. Um, I think Ryan Duncan has got an enormous amount of potential 
um, just in terms of his sheer physicality and the ability that he has with the ball. I thought it was a slightly frustrating performance from Duncan because you can see the talent that he has, but there was just occasions in the in the opposition's final third where I think that he could have executed um, in a in a more purposeful manner than than what he did. He seemed like someone who was hesitating or taking too long to get the shot away or get the pass away. But I thought I thought what I could see was the makings of a good threesome partnership between Duke Miofsky and, and Ryan Duncan. It, it worked really well. And in a game like that, where you've got an opposition that are going to come in, sit deep, it's it's a good option to have that uh, that player that can maybe just like unlock a defense in a in a different way rather than just being like, you know, sheer pace or getting the ball into the box for for the strikers. Being a surprise for you, that's how he went. Were you expecting Robson to be a little bit more pragmatic? Um. I don't know, actually. I think, I don't know if we've seen enough of Robson to really know what his default setting is, if you like. Uh, I think... Winning games, it would have been. Well, yeah, winning games and doing it with different formations and systems. Um, no, I I, I think we we all probably expected maybe more of the younger players to feature, given that Robson has brought through or at least been heavily involved with some of the, the development of these guys, like Duncan as an example. So I think the fact that he has turned to them isn't really a big surprise. And, you know, realistically, you're know, home to a team with a rancid away form who are at the wrong end of the table. I'm not really sure being cautious would have been the right approach. I think this was, like you said, more adventurous, and that's the way it should have been. Now, obviously... We're sitting here after the fact and it worked out and we got the results so it's easy to, to take that position had we dropped points maybe might have been crying out for something different but I think uh, given the the nature of the game the form we were in the form they were in it wasn't a game to be cautious and pack the midfield and see what they do it was, a, it was a game they just get after and try and blow them away and that's the way it turned out to be It's another positive for by Robson in his you know extended audition to be the Aberdeen manager that he's showing that level of flexibility towards different games different situations different setups he's not just going to go like for like he will adapt the team depending on what the opposition do um so yeah positive to the manager yeah I think as well it's, it's not so much adapting to what the other team are doing but try to impose ourselves on the other team isn't it that's the the critical thing there and I guess the good thing about this is it's a slight tweak to system it's not a huge one but it does potentially give us a a different way we can line up at home and in, in particular this season or for the remainder of this campaign and into next. I think Barry does like the back three. I don't know if that's just because he, he felt he had to go that way to try and solidify the defence after the shit show that it was before he came in. Um, but at least with the formation he was able to, to play on on Saturday, you kept that stability, you kept that base at the back. You were still able to keep McCrory and, and Hayes in there and we'll touch on them in a minute. But it did just give you that one extra body just in between the strikers in the midfield that could be quite key. I don't think it was Ryan Duncan's finest game um, that we'll ever see from Ryan Duncan on, on Saturday, but I think it's certainly a potential role for him there. We're just touching on it, Graham, as all you said, you know, a dream start. We've often bemoaned this season about how slowly we've started games. Um, the Hearts game probably accepted, but that was a sign of a team well up for putting Kilmarnock on the back foot from the off, from Ramadani and Armstrong's. I don't know what was going on there, um, but I love it. I'm all for it. I don't know how he gets away with a shove on Armstrong, it's right in front of the referee, but again, we'll take it. Scales and Duncan win the second balls, they're first to them. And I think it's been missed by a lot of people as well. This the ball through by Miofsky is perfect. And it's not an easy pass to make because the gap's not a big one. 
yeah, he he breaks the line perfectly, and it, the the critical thing with it is that it allows Duke to simply get the ball under control, and he can get the shot away. He, he can put it either way at the keeper that he uh, that he desires, cuts it back across, gets in, gets in. It's the perfect, the perfect start against a team. I can say that obviously came to frustrate, contain, probably having the game plan. Let's get to halftime, nil nil. Let's get the fans on their back. Let's try and make the use of set pieces wherever we can to put that to bed immediately. It's it's perfect. I likewise, I do not understand how one the referee does not see what Ramadani does to Armstrong, and two that VAR does not call yeah. back to it because it's a cl- as clear as day a, um, a an off the ball incident that uh, probably could have justified. Yeah, likewise, I think people are asked us in the um, listeners' corner section what was going on. Don't really know. Apparently, there was chat in the tunnel, almost like going on to the pitch in the lineups. There's chat on the halfway line, and that. So I don't know what Armstrong says, but uh, obviously, it got Ramones back up and drove him on to the kind of man possessed like performance that he then put in for the next night. Months. Are we going to hear some fucking positivity from Ramadani? We'll get to that in a minute. The goal itself, great finish by our Kate Verdane star to ensure there was no repeat of his off day at McDermott. Yes, Graham, you missed it. He had the fucking stinker at St. Johnston last week. He's allowed. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. Wasn't great against Kilmarnock either, barring the two goals. But this is kind of a little bit about what he's all about. We've spoken about this before. Sometimes he's he's just not in a game. Usually he's, you know, he can get the ball up the field, the dribble or whatever. But there are times where you think, ah, this guy's really annoying. And then he'll go and do something out of the ordinary, whether that's a goal or an assist. And then so all almost like, oh, all is forgiven. Yeah, it's also the reason why you can watch him for 60 minutes, 70 minutes, and he's not made any impact on the game whatsoever, but you just don't want to take him off because you just know he's capable of it. And that's that's a match winner right there. Yes, exactly that. There have been a couple of games where I know I've not been alone thinking, right, surely he's coming off. And then he does something, think, right, okay. At times you might just have to carry him a little bit, but it's worth it because more often than not, the team is going to get the reward from sort of doing some of his work or covering for him if he's not having a great game. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, but again, it fits to the whole cult hero enigma type thing, doesn't it? That none of these guys are necessarily top performers every game, every week but they're always the ones that you come back to and they're always the ones that you remember. And he's kind of shaping up to be, I mean, because you're not going to remember the 80 odd minutes where he maybe didn't do much. You're going to remember the goal or the goals that he scored. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I take your point. Sometimes it can be a little bit frustrating. Some of the praises maybe a little over the top if you view it through the 90 minutes, but let's not get too down here. It's been a long, long time since we've had anyone like that to enjoy uh, in Aberdeen yeah absolutely and I mean let's talk about I was going to talk about Duke later on but let's do it right now I think um, Miofsky and Duke now that's 15 apiece for them now uh, both now in the league 17 apiece all told for them for the season as each week goes by now as well they're becoming more and more of a proper partnership aren't they that's two assists from Miofsky for Duke this week Duke's now averaging a goal every 136 minutes in the league or, or 0.66 goals per 90 minutes and he's actually nearly averaging one shot, one goal for every four shots he takes, which is in Hyogo territory within the league. Um, 
these are startling numbers for a player at this stage of his career, aren't they? Let's be honest. You know, we just, it bears repeating that undoubtedly there will have to be teams looking at this guy uh, right now with the view of recruitment to next season. He has been a, a revelation in a way that I don't think anyone expected him to be. As I said last week, when he started against, uh, when he came on, sorry, should I say, against Sterling Albion, I was convinced that we're going to have an extremely frustrating player here on our hands. A guy that's capable of moments of magic and also equally capable of just, you know, making your kind of blood boil almost. And he's been the absolute opposite. He's just been a model of, even though I've just said that he didn't have a great game on, on Saturday, a, a consistency in those in those crucial numbers, like you say, the the finishing is it's he is and he's just he's got real in-game intelligence as well. It's just for the second goal to get himself into the position to support Miofsky. It's it's great stuff. And he is just he's a maverick. Um I absolutely love the guy and um I, I I cannot as much as I'd love it to be the case I cannot believe that he will be here next season so uh, not to be the you know turn this into a negative but potentially we've got seven more games to enjoy him so let's do so while he's while he's still here very true Omiofsky as well I think his performances in recent weeks have kind of gone under the radar a little bit as well because he's not been scoring the goals um but his overall performance level, I feel, has also stepped up in, in recent weeks. And that was another um, example of it at the weekend. No real clear-cut chances fell his way. He had, he had a chance in the first half. It kind of got barged in the back by um, the centre half but before he got a chance to really get his shot mm-hmm. away. But it's clever movement, again, from him for the second goal. He's he's always on the move, always making these nice little runs in behind the defence. He's also working harder. We touched on it last week in, in the St. Johnston game. I think he's working harder. He's been more physical with his work as well. Um, it's a really nice partnership as well, isn't it? They're they're very different players, but it gels really well. I think that earlier in the season when Miofsky was scoring, um, generally speaking, we're talking penalties. Um, his there were aspects of his game as a, especially at that point when he was more or less playing as a, a lone striker. There was aspects of his hold up play that I thought could rightfully be be questioned and. As time has gone on, he is just his overall game has gotten immensely better. Um, it coincides quite nicely with with Barry Robson taking over the the manager's hot seat and maybe asking for a bit more from him in that regard. But like you say, it's 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 a it's a true it's a rarity in modern football. It's a real striking partnership between the two of them. And you know, you mentioned that he had a chance in the first half. He has a good chance in the second half as well that he tries to turn into an overhead kick when I think if he just takes with his right foot and side foots it in, probably scores. So it, maybe he's not getting the rub of the green. Maybe he's not making the best choices uh, when he has these chances. He was a little bit on his toes, I thought, for the for the chance in the first half where he gets um, taken out by the defender. But at the, in the second goal, I was convinced it was a shot that he's just screwed across goal that turns into a... Uh, a tap in for Duke. I think when you watch it from another angle, you can see he lifts his head up, sees where Duke is. I think it's definitely a, a cross into Duke. And when you're talking about a striking partnership, it's equally as important the guy who's making the goals as well as the guy who's scoring it. And like I said, that's another two assists. It adds to the tally. It adds to, you know, the quality that you're going to get from Boyan Miofsky. And likewise, he's a guy that's, you know, he's been another, you know, startling success from the recruitment department. And Another one that I um, I struggle to believe will, will be an Aberdeen player uh, come next season, as much as that pains me to say. 
after the opening goal coming so early, it got a little bit scrappy, didn't it? Let's let's be honest. Was that a little bit disappointing? That we just didn't really stand for authority on the game a little bit more, certainly from an attacking perspective. I think you would like to have seen us go on and do a bit of a number on them. I mean, like you say, you, you score pretty much from the kickoff, so you think. But I think I don't know if that's almost sort of odd for both sides. I mean, from Kilmarnock's point of view, arguably it doesn't really change anything because they can still sit in, stifle, and they'll you know they will get chances because they've basically got the whole game. And then from our point of view, I don't know if that means the players are a little bit, oh, do we just really go for it here or do we just sit back and see what they do? I, I think I would like to have seen us really capitalise on, on that uh, and kind of be out of sight by half time. But it's never really that easy because if it was that easy to just go out and score a few, we'd have won the league a few weeks ago by now. So uh, you would think, you would have expected after going ahead so early that it was going to be one of these days where everything we touched was going in and Kelly wouldn't be able to do anything about it, but it just didn't really happen like that, did it? Yeah, it was a bit frustrating because especially when you think about the number we did on Kilmarnock earlier in the season and now they've had another you know, two rounds of fixtures where they've not picked up, as we said, a single win on the road. You would think uh, against a team that are going for third place, it will knock any confidence out of the team whatsoever. And I did think for like five, ten minutes, we, you know, we're on top. We could have maybe got one or two more. But then, yeah, it just it just degenerated into a bit of a scrap. And I thought Kilmarnock had too much possession for my liking. I thought we could have really um, imposed ourselves. It was maybe that instance where having a Ryan Duncan in there instead of a Graham Shinney meant that we'd lost a little bit of control in the midfield area. But yeah, I mean, to simply answer your question, for me, it, it was frustrating. And then from that point on till halftime, yeah, I... Uh, yeah, it was it was a slog. That's that's the best word I can think to use. At the back, though, on the whole, I think I felt we looked reasonably solid once again. Um, Kel Reese with the brain fart that you had in the first half accepted, had another decent game. A couple of good stops in the first half to keep us ahead. He was coming and claiming crosses. Um, he also looks like a different goalkeeper a little bit since he's come out from his his injury. Um, he looks certainly a lot more confident. Um, I'm kind of relatively happy with Reese at this moment in time. Yeah, if in the event that Kel is listening to this show, I would rather you didn't try and dribble past opposition players when there's no one else around you. Um, I felt like his distribution was pretty wayward. Um, I think it's Masters weekend. I think we'll say that he was slicing a number of his uh, goal kicks uh, clear into uh, out-of-bounds territory. Uh, but as far as his, you know, the basics... Yeah, I'm not even a golfer and he's doing golf puns. Look at this. What's going on? Get me my green jacket. Well, um, <laughs> obviously, been working on this for quite some time. He has, isn't he? Yeah, uh, Gary, can I borrow your green and white jacket you're wearing right now in Glasgow? <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think the, when it comes to the basics of goalkeeping, you know, it's um, it's a good save from I think Dodge in the first half, and then the save from the Donnelly header on TV. It looked a little bit more um, routine than it looked in the in the Merkland, but it's it's good reactions. You know, gets the it's a critical save because at that point it makes a one-one halftime game changers. It's the same as um St. Johnston last weekend. Um and then in the second half when Kalant were getting balls at the box, he does appear to be coming and being a lot more proactive, a lot more aggressive within his um commanding of his penalty area. And that's like I say, it's it's three three clean sheets on the road now. A clean sheets in a row, should I say, which is you know. I was going to say unheard of. It's not that long ago in reality, 
But for Aberdeen fans, twenty twenty one is a long. It, it's, it's over two years since we strung three clean and sheets. That, and that, that is obviously in that is obviously in the league because we did have four clean sheets at the beginning of the season in the League Cup. But let's yeah, um, I mean that doesn't really count when you're playing. You know, it doesn't Head. count. It doesn't get when you're playing Peterhead and Dumbarton. That is very, very true. So, um, yeah, he he is just like everyone else in the team since he's come back in the team under Barry Robson. His game has gone to a another level. But yeah, I I can't. I also just can't really forgive the brain fart in the first half as you've so eloquently described it. Well, that's kind of what it was. It was like he was a bit bored, wasn't it? And he was like, let's just try and jazz this up a little bit and see what happens. Um, Johnny Hayes, Ross McCrory I think they deserve a lot of credit as well for a recent resurgence I don't think they're necessarily producing the best quality in terms of end product or what they're doing on the pitch um, so it sounds a bit counterintuitive to be going, I think they've been really important but I think their energy getting us up and down either flank is invaluable for the side and it makes us, I think, certainly more solid at the back because we can make it into a back five if we need to um, and I think it gives opponents something to have to think about in the other end as well, doesn't it? So I think they're not maybe not it's not maybe vintage performances from either the two of them, but they're helping on this journey we're on at the moment by Robs, aren't they? Yeah, I don't think you necessarily do you really need the vintage swashbuckling performances every week in those roles. You want them. But what you probably need is that like you say just solid doing their job, not making mistakes, giving their their opposite number something to think of, you know, so we don't just get pinned back. Um, I think you know. I guess everyone is clearly performing well and is performing to a higher level than they had been. Otherwise, we wouldn't be on this run of form. So it does take everyone. But uh, I take your point that you know, down. I mean, those those positions have been a little bit troublesome this season. We take Coulson. He's had some games. You think, ah, oh, this guy's great. And other games, you think, how the hell has he made it this far? Um, so sort of stopping out the extremes of the performances between the the really good and the really bad and just getting solid performances is definitely what's acquired. So I'm I'm pleased with them both as well because I like McCrory still maintain that's not his position, but it would appear he's seeing out the, the season in that role and we'll see what next year brings. And for, for Johnny Hayes, we said we've seen glimpses of Prime Hayes in his second spell, but we've also seen quite a lot of it might be a season too far. So it's quite good to see him settling into sort of solid performances because although, you know, he generally he would have been, I think his first time round in particular, he was always solid, capable of being more than that. But the minimum... It was a seven out of ten every oh, week. I was gonna, that was almost like the minimum you were going to get yeah. was that. And then on a regular enough basis, you'd get an eight or a nine and that would get us some, some points and stuff like that. So it's good to see him settling down because it, it would be a bit of a shame if... You know, if this turned out to be his last season, you don't really want some of that. But like the way it sort of McGinn went out in a bit of a whimper, you'd like to see Hayes going out with this sort of head held high, still being able to perform. No concussion this week either. Two weeks in a row, he's lasted the full ninety. I'm sure his brain will be thankful for that. <laughs> um, likewise, I mean, I I think that they offer an enormous amount going forward, just as an attacking threat with their pace and their power. There are times with McCrory, especially that. I, prefer him to be maybe a little bit more diplomatic because he does sometimes just take the view of like, okay, I can just knock the ball past my opponent and beat him in a foot race. And sometimes he'll get caught out with that and that leaves you a little bit exposed. But the I don't mind that though because I think it gives the defender something to always think about. They're always then thinking he's going to try and do it. 
Well, it's 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 fine. And the good thing is we've generally speaking got the players with the kind of in-game intelligence to know that, well, McCrory's starting to run here, so I'm going to cover in for him. And you're always going to have Matty Pollock at the very least um, as a direct opponent. So, and that, and the good thing as well, they, they have the pace and the energy to cover for the central defense. You see that in the first half, uh, McCrory blocking the Kilmarnock attacker after the dodge shot that Kelroos saves. If McCrory's not there, the guy taps into an empty net. In the second half, there was a spell and Kilmarnock had um, a lot of possession in our, in what would have been Johnny Hayes' kind of area. And Johnny was just always there to mop yeah. up and get the ball away. Um, you know, we, we have such fond memories of Johnny Hayes primarily as Graham says from his first spell with the club but I thought at the beginning of this season especially I thought we were seeing more of the Johnny Hayes we know when he came back from his injury it started to resemble more the Johnny Hayes of the last two years but I mean just personally speaking as someone who you know has watched the guy for coming up for eight years in an Aberdeen shirt um, he said at the beginning at the end of last season that he didn't want to end his career at Aberdeen like that with the team being in 10th place being an embarrassment quite frankly and he is he's he's played an enormous part um this year in in making us well you know we've got a real chance of taking a, a european spot so delighted for him ilba ramadani right um personally i thought he was exceptional yesterday gab i, I heard a few grumbles from you in the ground are you, are you talking about your best mate ilba ramadani maybe maybe a couple of loose passes here and there but on the whole, I thought he was excellent. I thought he was everywhere, mopping up second balls, winning battles, shithousing Armstrong. I think a lot of us were concerned about the missing the energy of Graham Shinney um, on Saturday. Philip Ramadani almost did both of their jobs on Saturday. I don't think you win that game of football on Saturday without a Ramadani type in that form. So he Ramadani also reminds me a lot, and there's people in listeners' corner who are kind of comments about this one. He reminds me a lot of like a Brian Grant type player as well, who was never the most flashy of players. Um but if you took him out of the team, you would miss him. I thought it was I thought it was good yesterday. I thought it was really, really good. Gav's just swallowing down. No, I, I, just... I, I put my mic on mute somehow. Oh, oh how convenient. <laughs> um, I, 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 listen, he, he covered every blade of grass for sure. He he took the Graham Shinney mantle of playing like a demon and, you know, made it his own. Um, you do love it when your players are shithousing opposition players. We don't. We haven't seen it enough. We see it all the time from players against our players, but you never really see Aberdeen players get involved in that kind of stuff. So, gotta love that. I, I do still think he loses the ball too much for a centre midfielder, and when he loses it, generally speaking, that means like we've lost it in a dangerous area. So I think he can one hundred percent improve the time that he takes on the box. I think he does often take far too many touches uh, when a simple pass is probably on. But yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm certainly not going to disagree. Um, he did provide a real energy, a real force. And yeah, when you're playing with Duncan, I mean, listen, Clarkson's come on immensely in his um, defensive, physical work for sure. And Clarkson's getting involved in that as well. But you're you're still going to have to carry the, you know, the load when it comes to that job. And Ramadani, yeah, did it well. And like you say, um, when you see it at the end of the game when we've won and the players are all taking the applause, leading the applause to the fans. It's Ramadan who's always at the front, so he clearly means a lot to him as much as it probably does to us. Have managed to say that without vomiting? He did, didn't he? Look at that. But he, does lose, but, but he does lose the ball too much. I, I like him. He's been... He's had his ups, ups and downs this season, as has 
pretty much every player, but I think he's been a decent, uh, a decent find, good recruit, good game, solid. I, I kind of agree with Gav that sometimes he could release the ball and maybe let the better players have it and play, but I'm kind of in the nitpicking territory, and I agree that having you can't really replace Shinny, or we've not been able to since he, you know, since he left the first time, even with Ramadani. But you do need that energy and that intensity, and obviously when you got both of them, great. But if one of them is unavailable, then it's good that you're not totally uh, exposed. You know, if you built your team around having some intensity and energy in that midfield role and then you don't have that available, you're kind of screwed. So at least we we still had um, half of that there. So it's all a game. Like everyone, he can improve. But overall, I think he's been really, really good and can take your point. He's he's not he's not particularly flashy. So maybe from a fan's point of view, myself including, sometimes the game sort of like it passes me by in terms of what he's doing or not doing. But I know what you mean. You take him out of it, you're probably like, ah, well, there's a bit of a gap there in the midfield. You think, oh, yeah, that's because he's been doing a pretty solid job without much sort of fanfare. And that, that's kind of what you want in that role. And your team needs to have a few players that are just solid and then, you know, can can give the ball to the guys that can play a bit more. So good work. And hopefully that'll continue. There are two things I really, really, really rate about Ramadani. Um in particular. One is actually his positional sense. I, I think that whenever the ball seems to break down in the midfield, invariably Ramadani appears to be the player who ends up with the ball at his feet. Like he seems to just generally be in the right place at the right time a lot of the time. Um, which I think is you know, it's so important when you're playing that role. But also just his 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 general work rate is phenomenal. And there was a great example of it yesterday where he I think he was passed the ball up the left hand flank and he kind of ran out of play. I think he, it wasn't Ideal it was up the main stand side, but he kind of like you know classic kind of shithouse as well. He kind of he knew it was out of play, but he kind of still dribbled it like in our ten yards, you know, until he was told you know you need like that's been flagged and stop that. But then when he realised that the flag had gone after he'd done it, he absolutely heard his way back like twenty five yards back in a position for the throw in, like sprinted back into it, and he was and this was like the seventieth eightieth minute, you know, it was like properly out with the Barry Robson school of just work ethic and working hard and just making sure you were doing your bit for the team. And I know that that's the bare minimum that everyone says that's, you know, everyone should just be working hard, but I think that's a guy there who really, really, really does absolutely give a hundred percent every game. So there's a question coming up on listeners corner about Ramadani. Anyway, we'll talk about him a little bit more in there. Leighton Clarkson, a bit of a slow start yesterday again, um, but totally grew at the game. Some excellent passing once again. His ball to set up the second goal is phenomenal. We're going to miss him, aren't we, when he goes? Because at the moment, he's probably the only player we have in the squad capable of seeing those types of passes and then, more importantly, being able to actually execute. I've said it on Twitter this weekend. Um, in episodes prior to this, um, he is... Leighton Clarkson is destined for a big future in the game, all being well, um, you know, provided there's nothing in terms of a massive injury that uh, that derails him. Um, I think he has got a, a football world is his oyster, if he so wishes. Uh, I, all I, the cliches tonight. I don't, I don't think he's going to make it at Liverpool, just because I think that they will take the view of if they go ahead and 
do a mass rebuild in the summer, they'll spend money and they don't they'll trust um one of their players from their from their academy um in that position. But I think he could have for me, he's a more complete player than Madison was when Madison was at Aberdeen. Yeah, I agree about that completely. And you saw what Madison went on when he put it all together. It feels like Leighton Clarkson has started to put it all together at Aberdeen. So logically speaking, if his next steps, you know, a, a high ranking championship club or somewhere abroad, I think he has all the tools to, you know, be a player that has a big future. Um, like you say, that that second goal, the the pass, the, the the ability to see it and then make it happen is just incredible. And we're seeing it on a a more and more consistent basis um, as the season goes on and because he's developed as a player off the ball as well. That's the crucial thing yeah. for me. He's become an all-round better player. It's been, a, it, for me, it's been a huge success story, his loan spell at Aberdeen and hopefully that's something we can use as a, a reference point going forward for clubs when we're inevitably having to look for the, the loan market in the future. It's more Leighton Clarkson's and less Matty Longstaff's, please, I think is the, the general consensus on that one. Or anything than mum the Matty Longstaff right. it's an argument I mean, you made you made the point there about Madison and I don't disagree with you I think that Clarkson at this moment in time is a much more complete player than Madison was when Madison left us um, but would you agree that perhaps Madison's ceiling was higher though than Clarkson's is um, possibly just because I think obviously you could see where Madison's position was and that um, players like that when they put it together they'll, they'll be worth more because that's a match winner. Like he, Madison can go ahead and knock the ball past an opponent and put one in the top corner from 30 yards. Um, we've probably not seen that as much from Leighton Clarkson. He is definitely capable of it, without even a doubt. But um, I would tend I would tend to agree. But I also think that maybe was reflected in where Madison was going back to, like he was going back to Norwich, and he kind of knew that he was going to go and play for Norwich. I think yeah. with Clarkson, it very much does depend on what his next move is because I, I don't think that he will be entrusted with that kind of role at Liverpool. I think for me, if it, I'd love to see us try and put all the stops to try and get him back here again next season. I, I think it's really, really difficult to try and do that. Um, I'm not entirely sure how long he's got actually under contract left at Liverpool um, either. It's one of those, it's almost like the Dylan Levitt situation at Manchester United to Dundee United. It's like, if he's enjoyed his football here, is there even an opportunity where we could, if we threw Liverpool a million quid and I'm saying that like it's nothing but would they say you know what we'll take it because we don't want to stand in the kid's way he's, he's probably not going to play here you sign him up for three years and then on the idea he plays 12 months and then you sell him off somewhere else but to me Clarkson looks like a player who belongs in, in somewhere like Serie A possibly or even maybe La Liga I think um, perhaps more than playing English Premiership I think he could really thrive in a, in a league like that a cursory glance online will tell you that he signed a long-term contract in 2020, but it does not actually say for how long. Okay, okay. A quick word on a couple of our young players ourselves who were developing. Um, we already touched a little bit on Ryan Duncan earlier on, but then also Alfie Babbage. Uh, I think a lot of people have been clamoring for Babbage to get a little bit more than a token run at the end of the game. This was 14 minutes he got this time round. Two, two academy graduates again coming through, which is always good. Um, we've, talked, we've already touched at Duncan, but Alfie Babbage's 14 minutes cameo yesterday was was impressive, I thought. It appears from that, from the cameo, it was, it was massively impressive, like you say. It appears that he's got a little bit of of everything that you'd look for in a, in a striker, especially. You know, he's he looks like he's pretty strong when he's on the ball. He's got a decent turn of pace about him. And probably more critically, I think it looks like he can go with either foot 
So mm-hmm. he was he was he did really really well. I, I, it wasn't as though the game was completely dead when he came on either, or like Kilmarnock were. were I'm surprised Robson chose to give him the 14 minutes. Well, I mean, it obviously reflects what kind of Graham mentioned earlier that you know Robson knows these guys and he knows what the game. He won't be putting Alfie Bavage into that game unless he knows that Alfie Bavage can can perform in it. The thing there is that Bavage has to then go and take the opportunity and uh, and deliver. Um, it's been regrettable as a we've mentioned before that we haven't been able to have enough games this season where we've been comfortable with 20, 25, 15 minutes to get, he can get some actually meaningful uh, game time, but he looks like he's got a lot about him. Um, and like, I think he's, he's a good size as well. Um, it's one of them where you think that if in the likelihood that we lose one or maybe even, you know, two of Duke and Miofsky in the summer, I know that Babbage will be attracting um, interest purely because of his numbers in the, uh, in the young team. But I'd be looking at that thinking, you know what? If you stick around for an year, you're going to play. You're going to get some really meaningful time and meaningful experience as a first team player at Aberdeen, and then we'll uh, then we'll look at where we can because I think that he could be um, someone who bucks the trend. You know, we've had a number of good strikers in our young team who've scored a ton of goals. We try and get them in the first team, it doesn't work, and they end up elsewhere. Babbage, it was a really really impressive performance. Just remember this. Speaking about young strikers who came through um, the the system who never quite made it. Guess who liked one of our posts this week on on Twitter, Graham? Scott Mickey. Close, close. You, you talked about him a couple weeks ago. Bagshaw. Andy Bagshaw. There we go. Oh. Hi, Andy. Um, and also, actually, while we're at it, pop quiz. Who did I see in which former Aberdeen captain did I see in As the Mogai about an hour ago? The general Ricky? wasn't captain, Ricky? was he? Richard Ricky Foster. Mr. Richard McDonald. Mr. Richard McDonald. There we go. Anyway. Mixing it with a hoi polloi, are you now? Uh, absolutely, mate. And Asda, of all places, on a Sunday night. Lovely stuff. Anyway, for, as, for Asda, that is code for Waitrose, FYI. It's not code for Waitrose. They don't How's your caviar? <laughs> Delicious, thank you. Um, is that a anyway. butler in the background? <laughs> no, that's his, uh, that's his father-in-law. <laughs> Same thing. Another beer, please. Thank you. Um, speaking of which, actually, yeah, I just touched on, um, you'll enjoy, you You boys will enjoy this as well, actually. Um, uh, so we'll, I took the train down to Glasgow after the game yesterday. Um, arrived onto the lower platforms at Central to get the train out to Mogai. And um, I'm walking along, and there's just, like, I'm walking along the, the platform, and it's it's quite deserted at this point. I'm, I'm a wee bit earlier for the train. And um, I'm just walking along, and there's just, like, what I can only describe is what appears to be green sawdust. Like a big pile of it just appears in front of me. And what the fuck is that all about? <laughs> and I just turns to my right and there's a guy slumped against like a pillar. And he's clearly just vomited everywhere. It's all over himself. He's basically comat- comatose. He's asleep. And they've clearly just decided the best way to mop up the vom is just to sprinkle this like green sawdust all over it just to kind of soak it all up. But they've just left the poor bastard sitting there. And you're only like... Did nobody think that she doesn't know, like, I don't know, wake him up or like blow the police or get an ambulance or some shit for this poor bastard? He's just sitting there with vomit all over himself and sprinkled on fucking green sawdust stuff. It's proper, like, welcome to Glasgow to top, you know what I mean? Like, fucking great. Anyway, I digress. Top Don, the solar system, Kelrus 2.6%, Leighton Clarkson 14.5%, Elber Ramadani 28.7%. I think Elber's been done a dirty here, to be honest with you, but never mind. Duke, 54.2%. Duke takes the plaudits. He took the flat cap from the um, from the 
supporters group as well yesterday. Um, he took the Man of the Match award, obviously, because, you know, that's what you do in corporate. But, gents, you were topped on yesterday. Graham's going to go with the people, obviously. So As per, yep. Duke? Yep. <laughs> Cav? Um, I mean, he entirely deserves it because his goals clearly win the game and he and Boyan have provided us some fantastic meme-worthy uh, entertainment from the celebration of the first really goal. Hard, Brilliant stuff. It's been exquisite timing with what's been going on at Hearts as well. Uh, kudos to all those that have made the, the gifts of them knocking the Hearts emblem into the sky far, far away. But um, for me, I think... I think Leighton Clarkson was very good yesterday, so I'm going to go ahead and give it to our Scouse superstar. I don't even know who's from Liverpool, but he's from Liverpool. I don't think he is. I feel like he's from Blackburn. Close, close, it's close enough. Yeah, it's kind of close. Uh, it's, it, you will know who I'm giving it to, so um, there we go. Well, we move on. On to Lone Watch, Conor Clennon, after his luscious locks missed out last time around on account of the Adam Montgomery rule. Connor back on the Saints bench, and he came off of it for the final 35 minutes of Ross County grabbed a tuna win at McDermott Park, which sees the Saints become more and more entangled in a potential relegation scrap. For a minute this afternoon, I thought there was going to be two Premiership managers sacked, but let's be honest, Callum Davidson ain't getting sacked, is he? I mean, he plays Stevie May every week, so he should be. I can't argue with that comment. Stevie May versus Eamon Brophy, that is a clash of the titans. Mark that the one down, everybody, for when Eamon Brophy scores a hat-trick next week. Um, he went off injured, so he's not going to be available. Oh, excellent. That's good. Uh, well, you say that, it put me some miraculous recovery. It's a bit of racist Malky's probably running some fucking like cheaty drugs thing as well, no doubt. Anyway, um, you might need to take that out, Gaff, for libel. Who knows? We'll throw an allegedly in there. Stick an allegedly there. That's fine. And uh, Gary Scott, personal opinion disclaimer. Yeah, Gary Scott's views do not represent those of the podcast. No, or, or myself. The drug bit was a joke. The racist bit, absolutely not. Anyway, um, Kieran Nguyenia start full 90 minutes under his belt as Wraith's miserable form continued as they were beaten 2-0 by ICT in Inverness in the Championship. Jack Milne didn't make it onto any memes this week either, so that's good. Another 90 minutes for him, another clean sheet as Kelty drew 0-0 with Clyde in League One. Took the um, the match sponsor, Man of the Match, as well. Lovely stuff. Look at you, Gav, doing research. Oh, it, it just appeared on my Twitter. Okay. There's, there's no, it's just, it's just coincidence. Okay. Elgin City, Evan Tyler substitute with injury after just four minutes. Aaron Reid coming off the bench for the final 10 as Elgin were beat 3-0 by Albion Rovers at Clifton Hill. Elgin now six defeats on the spin. They've only won one in their last 13. They're now bottom of the table in League 2. They were like third in the league about three months ago. That's what I'm saying. They had a, they had a great first half of the season and their mm-hmm. form has just fallen off up a cliff and the manager's been sacked now as well he has he has been sacked so there is a very real potential that Graham's other team the green and white hoops of Bucky Thistle if they could see off Spartans in the pyramid playoff match Bucky versus Elgin could be a bit tasty one would imagine yeah. spicy meatball as they say exactly absolutely were Elgin your tip Graham for League 2 breakout team in the season they were the bottom of the table so probably I mean, they're certainly going to be breaking out just in the wrong way. <laughs> I honestly can't remember, but that, that does seem about right. All I'm going to say is, Gurry's tip, Horfer, who were shite for the entire day of the first half of the season, now up to third. But that's not a first, is it? It's, uh, it's been a wacky, wacky old league uh, league two this year. I think just on a side note, you would have to say, even though I think they dropped points at the weekend, immense credit has to go to Darren Young for he's just taken Sterling Abbey and, you know, romp their way to the top of the league 
Yeah, absolutely. If you remember, we spoke to Darren at the start of the season. I think he was a little bit concerned about just how their preseason had gone. He hadn't maybe been able to bring in the number of players he wanted to. Great stuff from from Darren Young. Um, brilliant bit of work in, in doing that. Where were we now? Yeah, Kevin Hanratty for Martin United. A start for Hanratty. I think that's his first start since he's been now with for Martin. As they travelled to Broader Rangers in the Highland League, they lost 2-1 at last minute on goal. I've no idea how long Kevin Hanratty played for because once again... Can I find that type of stuff out on the For United Twitter page? Come on, lads, come on. At least we do know that he did feature. Yes, he featured this time, absolutely. A period of time. Anthony Stewart at the Milton Keynes Dons. A second start for Stewart on Good Friday, but he was hooked after 55 minutes as the Dons of a Milton Keynes variety drew 1-1 with Portsmouth. I see you liking that one, Graham. I see a little chuckle there. You enjoyed that one. It's all good. Um, a little, um, A little teaser. For you is, could you tell us what other ex-Aberdeen player plays for Milton Keynes Dons? Daniel Harvey. Got it in one. Correct. Actually, yeah. Yes, on. correct. Gives, gives yes. a hard one next time. Correct. Well then. Amateurs, honestly. It's no wonder Christian Ramirez is giving us beef. Right. Um, and we keep our receipts, Christian. That's all I'm going to say. Dean Campbell at Stevenage. Uh, back out of the squad. He was in last week, played 45 minutes, was hooked, and he's back out. So I'm presuming he's was injured. Um, Stevens were held to a 1-1 draw by Colchester in League 2. Obviously, this review is going out. We're recording Sunday night. It's before um, the Easter Monday fixtures take place, so fuck knows what happens there. Presenting Bajau and Excelsior, out injured, back in Aberdeen rehabbing. Dante Povara, Charleston Barry. Another start for young Dante, but an afternoon to forget. Two bookings made red. He was sent off after 76 minutes. But the battery dug him out of the hole with the last gasp winner. So you have Hartford Athletic in the USL Championship. So there we go. Lovely stuff. I mean, you want to talk about caviar being consumed. Hartford, Hartford, Connecticut. The home of Hunter Herselmsley's uh, local team. No, where was Hunter? Where was Triple H from? He was from. Was he from, oh, from Greenwich? He's from Greenwich. Greenwich, Connecticut. Is Hartford not where Vince is from? I know he's from North Carolina, really. Um, I can't remember. Oh, who knows? Anyway. On to the young team. After putting five past St. Mirren and Paisley last week, the young Saints had to make the daunting trip north to face an Aberdeen side who'd already stuck 18 past them in their three meetings so far this season. That's again got a big old chuckle from Graham. Those are not good metrics for the buddies. No, they really aren't really, as they, as they headed to Cormac Park on Friday afternoon. A double from Alfie Bavage, goals apiece from Mackenzie, Harvey, Fatona, Marshall and Perry. Saw the young team winning by seven goals to nil. That keeps the young team top of the table for now. Next up, a trip to Gussie Park in Dundee to face United on Tuesday. Is Gussie Park not the most Dundonian name of a park you've ever heard? It's not a particularly fancy name, is it? Not really, is it? Anyway, for the women's team, no game this weekend. Next up for them, Hamilton Aki's visit the tomorrow on Sunday afternoon. And so I think that will do for this half. Join us on the other side for Listener's Corner and we'll preview Friday night's fixture with Ross County in Dingwall. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. And with May Day fast approaching, join the gang for the biggest day in Siberia's yearly calendar on Sunday the 30th of April from midday. Featuring music from Home Alone, All Night Passion and much, much
Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Before we move on to Listener's Corner, a quick shout out to those of you who've made your contributions to the ABZ FP Beer and Coffee Fund this week. And they are Mark Robertson. We acknowledge you. Ian Andrew. Thank you, Ian. And Inverness Dawn. Merci beaucoup. Indeed, we see you. We acknowledge you. Thank you for your bread. It is much appreciated. And also a, a shout out to Cam McWilliam, who um, was back over from Los Angeles with his lovely other half and um, were gracious enough to decide to spend a few, a couple of hours sinking pints with us in Siberia ahead of the game on Saturday. Apologies to them. I think they did miss the first goal because the queue again, the South Stand is ridiculous. I think we just about got in there at sea in time. But not always good to reach out across the solar system and and meet our, our loyal fan base. It's great stuff. Lovely, lovely people. If you'd like to help keep us in field in beers or coffees, then please head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash ABZ football podcast. Link is in the description. Um, a, a few weeks ago, somebody asked about um, any plans that we had for the podcast and stuff like that. And we were like, yeah, yeah, we'll have plans. There is hopefully something pretty cool, hopefully, going to happen relatively soon on this. Keep your eyes peeled on this one. Uh, keep your eyes peeled on the, the old Twitters. Um, hopefully something pretty nifty we were able to get out to you guys pretty soon um, that we'll hope everyone will like. But anyway, as always, you know us, we like to open the floodgates to ask you, the solar system, what you want us to talk about tonight. Um, so we've, we've thrown out the request, a decent number of comments and a different number of questions in here. And we're going to start off this one from Chidi at Fina Quali. I did show you this earlier, Graham, so you've had time to think about it. Yep. Assuming that you're still not hashtag Robson in, is Graham licking his lips at the prospect of his favourite manager, Robbie Nielsen? He did say being available this summer because this was preempting the fact that Nielsen was in fact emptied this afternoon. So Graham, Robbie Nielsen for the Dons, is that still where you're at? I think the first thing is traditionally what Gavin and I do is we turn your quotes against you. I have been misquoted here mm-hmm. and it's not quite as funny when the shoe is on the other foot. Um He'll be cheap. That is a fact. He'll be very, very cheap. We have a lot of rebuilding to do in the summer, so every penny's a prisoner. So I think we will be looking at the free agent list, if you like, for the for uh, managerial candidates. So that probably boosts him up to the top. Um, knows the league. Proper football man. Knows the game. PFM for the FMB. Extensive list of contacts. Good experience of England. You know, he's tried it. Didn't work. So if he gets the job... Here or what stay here? Um, he's built, he's built, you're building a compelling case, Graham, which is quite worrying. <laughs> I mean, all I feel that like Graham is doing is describing Derek McInnes. That's <laughs> it's so true. Um, Graham, is he is he cheaper than someone you already pay? Well, but that depends. Uh, but Barry's got the pre Barry's got like the club over a barrel here now, isn't he? Well, yeah, exactly. People. So if he goes in, like I want X grand, the Cormac's like, well, this guy wants nothing, so. Do I come back to his Barry or do I get the guy who wants nothing? So Are you suggesting that Robbie Nielsen will volunteer his time to be our manager? You never know. Because those hair transplants don't pay for themselves. It is a I step up for him, though. I reckon if he pays hair transplant for him, he'll come. At the very least, his subscription to Demoxinol. Maybe one of Stuart Mellon's old hair pieces will be in a, a <laughs> cupboard in the depths of Pataji. We could lure him in <laughs> with, a, with a loan. <laughs> of one of them and maybe that would be enough to seal the deal it'll be so obvious in an ex-wiggy one as well you know what I mean it'll just be obvious it's his old one 
that'd be the best thing about it. Yes, like what even fit the shape of his head properly. <laughs> like, you know, when you put your cap on, like at a jaunty angle, yeah, like something like that. So, uh, so, right, so are you excited about Robbie Nielsen? Is that what you're saying? Sounds like it. Sounds like you're quite excited about Robbie Nielsen. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Sign me up. From what I remember of that exchange, Graham simply said that he is the manager of the team who are in third place. So you I think he said he's an outstanding candidate. I definitely did not say that. Uh, I think he said he's he's the he's the manager in third place. So um, like you go and hire the manager in third place. So what we're basically saying is that Graham has come around to my way of thinking, and it's by Robs. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is currently the manager of the team that's third in the league. So, of course, Graham, you weren't here last week, um, so you didn't get to join in on on Robson in or Robson out. But he now has the gig to the end of the season. Your quick thoughts on that? I do find the whole thing a little bit strange. I genuinely thought he wouldn't get an extended run just purely because they, they know him. You know, he's a known quantity in the club, so if they were going to do it, they would have done it almost straight away. So I was a bit surprised. And then I'm also surprised that they're saying initially to the end of the season. I mean, I don't know how long they think they can string him along for. So Quite, quite a bit as it turns well, out, I think. Yeah, I think where my, my biggest concern with this is... What if Hart's tried to point Barry Robson? Oh, I never thought of that. Hart swoop in, five-year contract. Hearts take the same view Graham did, which is you go for the guy who's in third right now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, no, all I was going to say is on uh, this whole thing. So it's I feel like this has worked out for the board by total fluke. Yeah, you never it totally has. It totally has. So it suggests to me that they have no idea because what would they have done had Robson not been getting the results? It's the alternative though. Like they, they said they did four interviews the week before, which included Robson, right? What if Robson was the best performer at the four? With, with the greatest respect to Barry Robson, for a man who's got what eight or nine first team games under his belt, is the best candidate that we can attract. I don't think that's a great reflection, and I don't, I'm not trying to put the boot into Robson by any means. I just things are going well right now, but are we really saying that the best candidate for Aberdeen is a man who's just signed Liam Fox to the end of the season? Liam, are you are you forgetting who the outstanding candidate was two managers ago? <laughs> yeah, well. So uh, the bottom line is, look, it's going well, but I would, I'm concerned that the board doesn't really know or, or is unable to attract anyone. And this sort of dangling of the carrot to Robson will only last so long before he either calls them out on it and says he wants it, or builds up enough momentum around himself that he gets offers. And if we're dithering, then he's not going to hang around, and nor should he. Would you agree if he gets third, he deserves? to have the job full-time. It'd be difficult, be really difficult not to give the job, but with the caveat that it needs to be with Agnew and everyone that's currently with him. It's not just Robson. It's the Including whole... Liam Fox, who you've just thrown under a bus. Well, if they finish third and Liam Fox is what gets us that extra mile, then that's fine with me. But the, like jokes aside, it's not just Robson. It no, needs to be not. everyone that's currently part of the, the management team because it's everyone that's in this. What a hilarious season will be for Liam Fox if he relegates Dundee United and then gets Aberdeen promoted if uh, gets us qualified for Europe. Automatic group stage European football. What a season for Liam Fox that would be. That would be quite the turnaround in fortunes. <laughs> Successive seasons in coaching a team to a European spot. I don't know what you guys are laughing at. I'm not uh, laughing. But, but, but Graham, does, does it change your stance on Robson that Steve Agnew has reportedly come out and said he is willing to stick around if Robson gets the job? Potentially, because I think it's all of them. So my concern is that Agnew doesn't get kept on or doesn't want to stay or whatever and it's Robson he's then got to go and try and 
build a management team when there's already one in place that seems to be doing a decent job. So I have reservations around could he, what, who would he bring or what, what would he do just him? If everyone that's currently part of the coaching setup is willing and able to stay and is invested in what we're trying to achieve and he finishes third, it'd be really difficult not to give him the gig. I'm still not totally Love Graham still see the main stand, Rob's and out. I just, <laughs> I'm just struggling to, I think well, there's a couple of reasons. One, like I like him. He was a good player. I'm concerned that you know, this just turns to ratchet and he ends up like a McGee where most people remember him as just being a, or a lot yeah. of people will remember him for the bad stuff as a manager not the good stuff as a, as a player. And he is really, really inexperienced. That, so, yes, he's working know. at the moment. But we, you know, having said that, plenty of, I don't know, like, you know, assistant managers get called up and it doesn't really work. So maybe he kind of bucks the trend and maybe there really is something about him and he, he can hold his own at this level because, you know, it's a marked improvement to date. So it is kind of difficult to to not see him in the job. It just feels like... I'm going to join you a little bit here, Graham, on a bit of devil's advocacy, shall we? Because don't get me wrong, he's done a really good job so far here to get us in the third. If, I think if, if you told any of the three of us the afternoon that Jim Goodwin was louping over the advertising hoardings at Easter Road, that in as few as 10 games, we would be... It's even eight games, sorry. We'd be in third spot and two points clear of Hearts. And Hearts just emptied Robbie Nielsen. Um, we'd have all been like, that's fucking mental. I don't believe you. But, and I'm, I hate to dampen everybody's mood about everything, but is there an argument to suggest that the run of fixtures, Celtic away aside, are about as good a run of fixtures as you could possibly hope to get? in the scenario you're in at the moment. And I know Gav's, Gav's doing his open-eyed open eye Tony Khan look right now. But you look at, okay, there was a Samaritan home game. I'm going to write that off because of the McCrory sending off after two minutes. It's not a game. Um, Mudwell, when they visited Patoji, were an absolute... They <laughs> so much shit, it wasn't even funny. Um, then you've got Celtic away, fine. Livingston at home. Livingston are always a bit stuffy, but Livingston have not been in great form in recent weeks. And you've seen that in the last couple of games in particular. They've lost both of them 3-0. United, horseshit. Okay, we beat them. Hearts don't travel well at all. St. Johnston are fucking murder and have got one of the worst home records in the season. And then Kilmarnock, who've got the worst away record in the league, visiting you. As as fixtures fall, they couldn't have been much better for him, could they have? Ask Stephen Glass and Jim Goodwin if those are an easy run of fixtures. <laughs> I think you can always look at the fixtures and sort of slice them and dice them any way you want. I'm not trying to take anything away from what he's achieved to date. The results have been much, much better and are where everyone wants him to be and where everyone would expect him to be. So, so far, so good. I'm just not certain that the that, that it's the answer. I think it's not, I don't know, maybe I don't know, I don't know who I want, but maybe I'm looking for something a bit more exciting, to be honest, than just promoting someone. But having said that, I guess that's the point where you have these guys in these positions and that you you should hopefully have a pathway in the way that you would for the players to get into the first team you'd want your decent coaches to be able to step up so I don't know I'm still not convinced but I am much relieved as to how things have gone but all I will say whether it's Robson or whoever it is that is the manager I think there's a lot of work to be done 
yeah. recruitment-wise. So it doesn't matter who gets the gig. There needs to be investment. And I'm not sure how long we can sustain the levels of investment that we have been making and not getting any returns for them. So I think this summer's quite a big one. Yes, it's massive. Right, let's move on to the next one. Because we feel we've grilled you and roasted you enough now, Graham, for your whole Robbie Nielsen banner. Um, Willie Davison at Willie uh, Willie thirteen oh five. Is Vinny a player, and will he be back next season? So I think he is a football player. I think we've seen enough of that. Um, um, in in terms of like legalities, then yes, I believe that is what he's paid to do. So will he be back next season? I like Vinny, and I'd like to see him back. Is my tuppence worth? I think it entirely depends. For one thing, on Vinny Bajawa's desire to be at Aberdeen, and it depends on the the manager, the head coach who comes in, and whether he sees a place for Bajawa in the team. Um, that's a very on the fence answer, but I think there's a. It really was. It's not, it's not. It's not as easy as saying. It's not as easy as me saying. That I think Bajawa's a good player or not a good player. I think it's, there's a lot of variables to it. I think there's something in there with Bajawa. I just don't know exactly where his best position is. Is my thing. I don't. I don't think he was ever really settled into the Aberdeen team in a position that makes a lot of sense for him. I look at that 3-4-1-2 and I think in the whole behind the strikers could be an ideal position for Bajewin to sit in in the home games. If you had that sort of ability with him and like a Duncan to interchange between game to game, that could be quite exciting. Do I think he'll still be here next season? Yeah, I do. I don't think Excelsior are going to exercise their option to buy now, given he only played about two games for them. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if Robson can turn Bajewin's potential into reality robson or nielsen <laughs> yeah absolutely right next up stuart donald at we stu donald stuart's not quite understood the concept here he's just given us some statements but we'll, we'll work with it anyway number one watching the warm-up yesterday i think it was a good glimpse into daily training it looked meaningful with sony intensity sony luco intensity that can't be right sony luco was a lazy bastard and it's a typo it's meant to be some um, some intensity, not just warming up the muscles, and you can see all the drills translating directly into the game. We've picked up on that a couple of times already. I think that the 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 all round training, the coaching, everything certainly does appear to step up a level. I think one hundred percent. There's a there's a greater intensity in our in the way the team approaches games, um, both on the ball and off the ball. So yeah, there's definitely uh, been improvements in that area. Let's be honest, we weren't in the stadium for the warm-up. We rocked up to the game just about kickoff time. We would have missed the goal um, easily when Gary was getting his lasagna pie, having taken out a small loan in order to pay for it. Uh, so we can't call what was going on exactly in the warm-up. But yeah, definitely Robson, Agnew, Liam Fox, they've brought a, a different level to to the work rate in the team. And Samson. And Samson. Yep, those... Those games on the iPad don't play themselves. And um it's the kind of work rate that Meltzer would appreciate. Oh yeah, he would. Six stars. Yeah. Yeah. Convert a hurricane into a power bomb for an extra star. Anyway. <laughs> in the Tokyo Dome. Uh, and Stu's second point was the pies were decent. I don't disagree. Had lasagna one. Lovely stuff. It did look hugely appetizing. It was good though. It was it was tasty. Um anyway, moving on. Bobby's soggy biscuit. Bobby Biscuit, AFC. Who'd win the fight, Ramadani or Pollock? Um, ooh, I think Ramadani has a kind of quality that I'd associate with like a willow flood. Like I think in a fight like that, Pollock would just knock him over time and yeah. time and time again. But the only way you win a fight against Ramadani is if you kill him. 
Yeah, Ramadani will like distract the ref and low blow him. He'd be quite tenacious, wouldn't he, Ramadani? Yeah. Like, I feel Ram- like unless yeah. you take him out first time, Gav says that might be it, you get a chance. And if you don't take it, might be tight. Yeah. Also, you know, he's 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 gonna do anything to win. It's gonna he's gonna be using his teeth and yeah. everything involved. Yeah, Ram will have like a set of brass knucks tucked down his tights as well, just to break them out when he needs to. So yeah, I reckon it's Ramos fight that one. Jeff Morin at Dandy Don fifty six. Leighton Clarkson's replacement for next season as we won't be able to keep them. Well Um I would I would agree with that statement. Um it's gonna be a huge ask. Um whoever it is, I don't think we have anyone currently within the ranks that could take on that role. Um so yeah, that's hopefully the recruitment team are working on that very hard, whether that's a permanent transfer or another another loan. But um yeah, it's gonna be a huge, huge little pair of boots to fill. Yep, absolutely. Um, Star, Glenn Star uh, at Glenn underscore 1903. A more negative topic, but the stewarding in the Red Shed and the way the club seem to be contradicting themselves constantly about wanting an improved atmosphere. Um, That's a tricky subject. Is is it a tricky topic? You know, there's multiple parts of this you have to break down. Yeah, I mean, you've got on one hand the club can't continue to try and ride two horses on this topic in the sense that they can't continue to try and use, you know, video clips and pictures of the Red Shed when there's like pyro going on or whatever there might be happening to try and publicise and advertise, you know, the atmosphere at the ground and they can't keep wanting to talk about an improved atmosphere at the ground and then at the same time really clamp down on people who are trying to bring that atmosphere. You know, from my perspective, the club has to be one of two ways on that. I don't think you can continue to try and do both of them. And let's be honest, some of the shooting we saw yesterday in the Red was a bit overzealous. I'd got no idea what happened when the flares were set off. It looked as though I, I, there was two shooters who just went bounding up the stairs. I don't know what that was all about. I couldn't really make out what was happening. But I've heard reports as well that there was some really overzealous shooting going on in the family area yesterday in the, in the Upper McDonald. Um, You know, kids, young teenagers, 12, 13 years old, being challenged by stewards about, you know, showing ID for their age. You know, being told that we're going to be refused entry, all that type of stuff. There, there does need to be something looked at, doesn't there, with the, way, the stewarding at the club? I didn't. Well, I, I wasn't at the game on Saturday, so those particular incidents, obviously, I can't comment on in general. I guess from where we're usually positioned in the red shed, sort of in the end, but maybe more towards the back. I don't really see. You know, there's there's not usually the flares and stuff aren't getting set off from where we are, so I don't really see what the stewards are are doing but I take your point with the the club they can't have the good bits and ignore what some people are seeing as the as the negative bits you're either you're either totally on board with what people are trying to do in terms of generating atmosphere in which case you need to work with bit of fans council police whoever it is to explain what we're trying to achieve and maybe set up certain areas for certain things that we've spoken about the you know the pyro thing doesn't really do it for me but an organized display can look really rather good so why can't there be the possibility to investigate something like that where people can actually create a display in an area and if you're kind of in that zone then you know what you're signing up for um and if you don't want to do it then you don't go there that sort of thing but if people are getting id'd and stuff like that in the family sections not really on board with that to be perfectly honest that seems a little un- unnecessary um, yeah, it's like kind of like Graham says. Like quite often, we you know we're not in the immediate vicinity of like you know like Graham says where the pyros are going off. 
um yesterday you don't know what's going on but i remember when we got the ground there was some guy face down with like two stewards with their knees on his back um by the yeah. by the ticket gates um on the inside of the stadium like i say you don't know what's going on but it seems like you know there's definitely in the most diplomatic fashion you'd say overzealous stewarding policing of football fans in in this country not just at Pataudry, but um but everywhere within the country there it well, feels like there, right, there needs you say everywhere within the country i mean there are certain places that doesn't happen let's not pretend otherwise well yeah if you're wearing a green and white shirt and you carried a rocket launcher into the ground then yeah you're you're fine no danger but um elsewhere generally speaking and you know you see more reports of yeah. politicians or um columnists you know saying that it's this and this that's causing this outrageous behavior within football um i think also you have to recognize that there are i think there has been some more extreme behavior at football grounds in the last probably since the pandemic and we've kind of all come back and it feels like society as a whole has just become incredibly pissed off and for some people uh the football ground is the place to vent that frustration um but i think like graham says the the reality is that things like the pyrotechnics, people want that to be involved. It's unlike Graham, it doesn't really put me up nor down, but the people who want to do it and they're going to just continue to bring these th- things into the stadium. Uh, the, the, the fear is that one day the council might just look at that and say that, well, this has been going on for far too long and we're going to, we're going to take the red shed away from you. And that undoes all the work. So dialogue is, is, is the key here to make this a, Something that can come into the ground, you see it all across Europe, organized um, areas for these displays to be made. And, you know, you you eliminate this, you know, this 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 problem effectively. Yeah. Christopher Mainland at CJ Mainland. Sorry, Christopher Mainland, sorry. As we hesitate, Hearts take Robertson as manager straight away and they finish third. Discussed. I don't know who he means by Robertson. Does he mean Davy Robertson? <laughs> Presumably Stephen. I think you mean Stephen Robinson. Um, Doesn't mean John Robertson, does he? Maybe. Or Robson. I don't know. There's lots of different permutations here. Uh, Stephen Robinson does appear to be quite well favoured for this one, potentially. Um, which would be quite funny. I think that would be a proper panic appointment by hearts, if I'm being honest. That would be a Jim Goodwin-esque move. Um, would be my take on that. I can see the reasoning and I don't know what Robinson... Robinson leaves at this stage of the game? I can't see him leaving at this stage. Of course he would. He'd fucking boys, come on. No, I'm not this stage of the season. He'd go in the summer. If if Hearts offered to double his salary. I don't think, I'm not, I don't don't see why he would leave at this point in time. I can see a situation where it's all wrapped up behind the scenes. His stock as a manager is going to be far higher if he finishes third place with St. Mirren than with, than taking the punt on getting third place in seven games with Hearts, minus a number of key players. I think if Robinson's offered the job, he goes. I, I don't see him hanging about. I, I really don't see it. Anyway, never mind. There we go. Um, also, if he does finish third, then you guys are going to look foolish championship, uh, championing Robson. <laughs> no, no, you heard us. It was Robinson. <laughs> yeah, no more foolish than the guy was championing Robbie Nielsen. Mm, that's true. Because uh, he definitely can't finish third this season, Graham. Well, how were you basing that on? He's free. We could take him. That would be the ultimate, the ultimate middle finger to the Hearts fans. He did finish there, just not with them. We bring him in as assistant manager. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Could come in and be assistant, the assistant to the assistant. 
<laughs> yes. Just, yeah. just, just Liam Fox's water boy. It'd be amazing. Anyway, a stinky malinky long legs at EJS Dawn. A starting price for Duke bids. I don't want to go, but if you must, we must start at eight figures. <laughs> Ten million's the starting price. Ten million's the starting price. Um two years left on his contract, 23 years old, 17 goals in all competitions, the kind of data that he's pulled in. It'd have to be club record. It would have to be club record fee. Um, I would say six is where I'd start listening. You would go lower than Ramsey? As in six is the starting number. Right. No, yeah, I'm not. It's, it's not like Ramsey where you have to, where Ramsey has to achieve all of these things for us to get all the money for him. Graham's just rolling his eyes. Graham's just so glad now that Gav is not in charge of any negotiations here. Six is the starting price. That's when I start listening. Graham, starting price for Duke. He's still got two years to run. If anyone thinks you're going to get six million, you're mad. If you get... Six to eight million is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> it never works that way. Um, if you get two or three, you'll be lucky. That's not. I'm not saying that's what he's worth. I'm saying that's what we'll end up with because we always get low-balled. What a pessimistic bunch we are. It's just a harsh reality. Nobody, nobody ever in Scotland outside the gruesome twosome ever gets any well yeah. apart from that golden period where Hibs were able to just put a badge on anyone off the street and sell them for like three four million um <laughs> that, is, that is true Gary was like lining up our club record fee for Amandu Conte at one point <laughs> uh, I don't know I, I don't think we ever really are in a position to really get the value or you know because the value and the worth of him and, and our team yeah is something that's just not something someone's going to pay for so Okay. I think there's there's a very real possibility that he will go. And yes, we will make money, but we won't make as much as we should and as people would want. And it will be a shame. It will be. A, um, solid, a solid six, and he doesn't have to do, run through all the hoops that Ramsey does, a.k.a. play for Liverpool. I reckon... I, I, I kind of agree with, with the boy here. I reckon 10 million should be the starting point. He's invaluable. He's got a great arse. Anyway, um... Mixed that in, in, un, in unrelated content. Yeah, there's there's an insight into Gary's recruitment criteria. <laughs> <laughs> At Mikey Strack, on this uh, we can't answer this just now. Since assigning squad numbers, when was the last time, if ever, we started with numbers one through eleven? I'll, I'll need to go look at that. I have no idea. I don't think we've ever done that. It'd certainly, be a rarity. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely would be. Um, that is an interesting question, though. Is I'll, we'll come back on that. I can Mikey. reasonably safely say that in recent history, not happened. Yeah, I am. I'm not sure we've ever done it. Anyway, we'll have a look. Um, this is a good question. Slippers at Slippers Fisher. Well, third would be ridiculous from where we were two and a half months ago. Next season is 50 odd points enough, even if it gets us third. It's a poor return, in my opinion, regardless of standing. <laughs> I mean, not to uh, uphold the stereotype that Aberdeen's will find anything to moan about. Um, <laughs> it depends if the league is as crazy as it's been the last couple of years, then yeah, it might well be again. I, mean, I assume 50 points was probably about where Hearts were at this time last year. No, I think... Hearts didn't finish with much much more than this last year. I think Hearts are quite a bit worse off this season. That can be, uh, can be reviewed. Yeah, I'm reviewing it now, Gavin. Um, Hearts finished on 61 points last season. So from seven more games, we have to find 11 points. I mean, that doesn't seem exactly... No, from seven more games, we have to find 14 points. 
Oh, we go 47. Yes. Okay. Fair play. From seven more games, 14 points. Does not actually that does seem quite outlandish. But then again, Hearts still finished a third by quite some distance last season. By 13 points. Dungeon put it in context, Dungeon United finished fourth last season on 48, which is yeah. one point more than we have right at this moment in time. Yeah. So if the league is like this and the teams continue, as I believe they have, to get worse, then then yeah, could very well happen. Have they got worse or has it just got more competitive? Uh no, teams have gotten worse. And as a result, it's got more competitive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the 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 quality it has not quality has not risen. It has just uh plummeted. All right, let's go. Let's keep going. There's the actual B3. question again. Next season, would fifty say fifty odd points be enough if it gets us third? In his view, it's a poor return, regardless of standing. Yeah, no, I can see where he's coming from. For fifty yeah. points to have a league campaign is pretty grim. Yeah, I mean, it's an average of what? Uh, over a 38-game season, it's... What's that? It's one point. You're picking up less than half the points available to you. Yeah, no, I think that's a good a good question. It's a good point. If, you know, it gets you... If it gets you third, then everyone's going to focus on, yes, that's third, but there's still a lot of games and you've picked up nothing and you're going to be so far behind the other two in that scenario again that actually... You're not getting any better, are you? You're not getting any closer to anyone. So I think that's quite an interesting and a fair point. That if you if you're just scooping that number of points, yes, it might be enough to make you the best of the rest, but it just shows the gulf, and the gulf is probably getting bigger in that case. Yeah, and with the budget of you should be doing better than one point three points per game. Yes, which is how what that you, works out. Again. How do you should be looking for at the absolute bare minimum, like half of the points that are available to you at least, and then building on from there because. Yeah, like I say, Scottish football is getting to that point again where it is just the two teams in Glasgow and then everyone else fighting, fighting for scraps. And I, I am very much the, the league has gotten worse in the last couple of years, dramatically. Okay, uh, let's move on. With the emergence of, uh, sorry, this is Derek Beagree at Beagree316. Beagree316 says, with the emergence of Babbage, could we realistically let Duke or Miofsky leave in the summer and not be too impacted? That's a massive ask. It would be an enormous task for Alfie Babbage to, you know what, it'll be an enormous task for anyone to replace Duke or Miofsky um, come next year. It would be an enormous task for a young player to do, um, like I say, I like what I saw. Uh, his numbers in the young team are nothing short of incredible. Um, he does give me the sense that if we were to lose one, then he will be a, a very good option to have. But um, I, I don't think that a manager necessarily put that kind of pressure on a young player and to, to be honest I think that as we've mentioned before I don't think Alfie Babbage will even be around next year for that to do that situation to even occur mm, yeah Robert Gray at Robbie Gray 101 how good was the hearts and Michael Stewart meltdown on BBC Sports Sound last night didn't listen to it can I answer this one because I was listening to it on the train down the road it was fucking incredible did someone mention Craig Levine yes that'll usually do it for Michael Stewart Basically, Michael Stewart got called out because he's pally with Robbie Nielsen, so he wasn't being too critical on Robbie Nielsen. And they were saying, if this had been Craig Levine, you'd have been going in two-footed on him and you're not doing it because Robbie's your pal. And it was fucking hilarious. It was really funny. Really, really funny. Some top trolling by, I think it was Tom English, I think, who really went in on him. It was very, very funny. Hi, Tom. We know you listen. Anyway, next on, this is a question maybe for later in the summer. Um, Lelax, 
at Leilax8030522. Is there a way back for Anthony Stewart? I hope not. I don't know. Um, Robson's turned it round with some other guys, so yeah, I think... Uh, I don't know is Don's answer because Paul and McDonald aren't ours. So you might have a chance of getting McDonald because he's out of contract. You may or may not have a chance of getting Paul back. So if you could get both of them back, then there's no way back for him because he's not better than them. But depending on what we end up doing with those guys, if you can't get any of them, he is under contract. We may or may not be able to cut a deal with him. So you might be stuck with him. From a footballing point of view, I, I would say there's no way back because in a relatively short period of time between Robson telling him he's not going to play and he's been able to find two guys that are better than him. Makes me think that he'll find guys that are better than him for the summer. But contractually, he will be coming back and he might not be able to do anything about that. And Nielsen might rate him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> assuming that our... Um... I didn't see that one there. Uh Assuming that our head of the table, who by the sounds of it in an interview with Stuart this week that I read, pretty much made it clear like, yeah, there's no choice that Stuart had over his loan to MK Dons. He's just, that's it. He was going no matter what. Um, Robson sticks around. I cannot see how, I can't even see the reasoning why you entertain bringing Stuart back. I think his relationship with the support will be so rock bottom that it would it would just be it would be it would be counterproductive to the team so I think immediately you'd have a player fans just don't want to be there and will get on his back straight away. It's not worked out for him. For him, I think it'll be best for him to go back to to England or another team. And for us it'll be best because let's be honest, he's fucking murder. I enjoyed how diplomatic you tried to be Gavin. Yeah. And you know we always come back to the facts though. Yeah you do. You do. Uh, at Ali Cinnamon, 76. I like this one. It goes back to Ramadani. That's why I like it. Um, flipping after a season or two for a big profit players are all well and good, but should we maybe be looking at more foreign players in the Ramadani mode, mid-20s? Very unlikely to play English Premier League, but could, could conceivably be very decent for us for four or five seasons. I think as far as continuity and building a team, that's a very good suggestion for sure i mean you're gonna get the the ability to showcase younger players and then sell them on for well for most of us what we think is big money although graham obviously takes a, a more pessimistic view on that um just gonna point out ryan porteous just went for like 800 whatever k it was and he's ryan porteous so we'll, we'll be okay with some some exciting uh attacking talent from from the from the eu um, I, I guess there, like Ramadani, we got, got lucky because I mean he is obviously an Albanian international. I don't know how Brexit and work permits affect that. If we're talking about a, maybe an, an older player um, of his kind of age who's maybe not an international, um, and they come with um, typically a premium in terms of price. But yeah, as far as like actually building a team, having continuity, and not having to flip your team summer to summer, yeah, very much uh, a good idea. It's a solid plan. It's just not always that easy to execute. I guess realistically what you want is a blend of the two, isn't it? You want to find some of these guys who are going to come in and they'll be there for a while and you also want to find one or two Mio Dukes or Miofskis every season who you can then flip and make money on. That's what you want, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, our our most successful time in recent times, and I know that there's a lot of people who don't think it was actually all that successful, but it was because this first couple of years when the team... We were changing, maybe like bringing one or two players every summer, and the team just got better and better as it got more and more familiar with each other. Yeah, it's 
hard to disagree with that right now. Uh, Robinoff Cybernet asks, would at the Rule 87 still take Danny Armstrong to the Dons? He did not have a particularly good game on Saturday. He didn't. He was just rattled. He also seems rattled like a, by Rama. He he does seem like a pretty easy player to mark mm. in that he plays wide right. He's got a right leg that's there for standing on. So it feels like he should be someone that you can um, take out of the game quite easily, to be honest. Um, yeah, I wasn't hugely impressed. It did, it did make me think, like, is he a guy that's a highlights player? You watch him on the highlights and you see him create goals and you see him score goals, but how much does he actually um, affect games? He was better than his counterpart on the other flank, though. Oh, yeah. Jordan Jones' shot in the second half out the main stand was fucking brilliant. Uh, it was a performance that lets you have a clear insight as to why Jordan Jones is one of the worst players in the Rangers history. <laughs> um, and such a short history as well. Um, a few questions. This is, uh, we'll skip through a few because we need to move on. But anyway, um, Ian at Tales of 1988 asks, Duke or Bojan, who's the better player? It's a difficult one, that, isn't it? It's, it's difficult. Like Graham said, they're, they're so very, very different. They're, different. <laughs> they're so different. They're so different. I think if you, if you had a gun to my head, bet who's going to go on and have like the objectively speaking better career i think it'll be boyan mm-hmm. so i think boyan will be able to sustain himself for longer than than duke will yeah and i think that boyan's got a bit more about him as an all-round player but duke has the x factor so uh, let's listen they've, I, i'm not even going to bother with this aberdonian version of messi ronaldo debate they're both they've just both been incredible graham i think boyan's probably a more all-round player at this point in time but I'm preferring watching Duke because although he has his moments where he's frustrating he is the one in form who's just scoring the goals or you know pulling off the tricks and stuff like that so yeah um they're both winners <laughs> it's like a school sports day everyone's a winner no Graham football is yeah. always the winner <laughs> <laughs> it's wild actually that we've got two players like that in our team at the moment though we've been yeah, starved yeah, of really anything is. like that for so yeah, long yeah. it's a little bit of a pity that they're both coming and potentially going at the same time but there we have it for the time that we've all been going the three of us we've just every year cried out just begged for one striker that scores 15 to 20 goals a season well I mean we did have Adam Rooney right I know and but now we've got two but Rooney was like but Rooney was like a really different kind of player from these two. Um, and it's not to decry Rooney at all. He did a brilliant job of doing what he did. But he was a proper penalty box striker, wasn't he, Rooney? That's what he was. Bojan and Duke are two completely different players from that perspective. Um, I, I kind of tend to agree. I think Bojan's a more rounded player at this moment in time in his career. And I think I agree with Gavin. I think from a longevity perspective, he'll have a longer, and you're right, possibly more objectively better career but Duke's just he's just a bit of a he's a phenom isn't he like at this moment in time like he's the kind of guys off of Duke I don't know like I, I do have the concerns with Duke that I think if teams get used to the way to play him he might come easier to to mark out games but then he pops up with goals like he did at the weekend which is just finding space and being at the right place at the right time and that in itself is a skill so I don't Mark goes I don't know um, right two more to go Outlines at out underscore lines 1969. Topical for the weekend. Should we look at banning Celtic and Rangers fans from Pataudry on 
fair that we're putting up with their toxic support because the Glasgow Derby was held at Celtic Park eh, on Saturday with no visiting support. There'll be no Celtic supporters at Ibrox uh, for the final game of the season as well. Should the rest of the league just do the same with these two? Um, well, I mean, you can ask the chairman and accountants of many teams in the Scotland and they will say absolutely no. Um, I just, I, I don't know. Would that dilute the atmosphere? I don't know. I think it I would. Know. I think it would dilute the the atmosphere of the game. Yes, I think it would. So you would still have the, you would still have the. Is that a price worth paying so just to not have the? I think you go down that route before you know it. There's no way fans are any games. Yeah, so that's a slight challenge, isn't it, with this one, Graham? Uh, no, just pretty much Gavin's last point. It's the potential beginning of a slippery slope. Yeah, I don't really want to have anything to do with them, but I also don't want to end up in a situation where I can't go to an away game as an Irene fan because we've all gone tit for tat last one for me Grant Heath at Grant Heath 95 and he's directing it straight to me um, Shag marry kill his wife Duke and Ramadani so um, wait the choice is Grant Heath's wife I assume he means Gary's wife I think it's my wife I think I think it's what he means when you said his wife I thought but does that throw a was that a dilemma for you Gary do you need what information oh, I mean, for you? I was just curious. Is this like a clue that Grant lives in West Hill? <laughs> well, he's hosting one of them parties, eh? Uh, Insert keys dropping in a bowl sound right here. Mary Ramadani, obviously. Um, Chag Duke, great arse. And then I'll, we'll move on to the next one. Um, well, that does for now. Uh, that was a sordid conclusion to this segment. It was, it really was, wasn't it? It was not my fault, it was where the solar system took us to. Yeah, uh, the top of the hill in the west. Dirty bastards. Anyway, right, let's move on. Talking about dirty bastards, the Don's travel to Dingwall on Friday night for <laughs> <laughs> our second trip to the Highlands of the season as two games remain prior to the split. The Don's with only two draws against our name this season both coming against Ross County. That gut-wrenching 1-1 draw on Dingwall back in September. Graeme, you and I will remember it well. I think the hangers were kicking in as Duke announced himself onto the Scottish footballing scene with a magnificent overhead kick. Only for the Dons to throw it away in a typically Dons under Jim Goodwin fashion with a long throw into the box, three players falling over themselves and the ball somehow being prodded into the empty net. And then later on, a board draw in January as Jim Goodwin's time in charge began to ebb away. Dingwall, not an overly happy hunting ground for the Dons in our 14 league games played there. Only six wins for Aberdeen, three draws and five defeats. Indeed, we haven't won in Dingwall since September 2020 and we haven't won there in our last three visits. We actually haven't been Ross County in either home or away now since December 2020. That was a 2-0 win. Both goals from Curtis Main. Yikes. So six games since we beat in Ross County last. The Dons, of course, looking to make it six wins in a row, four clean sheets on the spin. The last time we were able to keep that number of clean sheets in a row, March, April 2017. It's a long, long time ago. It's before my son was born. <laughs> that is terrifying. Um, Ross County coming into this one, after a big 2-0 win at St Johnston last time out, which means they do remain 11th in the table. They are two points clear of those Dungeon United who beat Hibs on Sunday afternoon. United, of course, remain bottom of the table. 
And Kent, you made it difficult for Celtic in Dingwall a couple of weeks ago. Uh, needed goals and injury time at the ends of both halves for Celtic to take the points in this one. County do though have the third worst home record in the league, just four wins from their 16 games at home. A real slide this season for County. They obviously finished last season in sixth spot, albeit they did finish on the same number of points as Aberdeen did, and we were in tenth. The joys of the split. Gotta love it. They did benefit last season from the form of Reagan Charles Cook, which meant that County last season were actually the third highest scorers in the top flight. This season is struggling in that front. Uh, only 27 goals scored in the league. That's the second lowest tally. Only Kilmarnock have scored fewer. Top scorers Jordan White with seven. Jan Danda, the main creative force, alongside Aim Brophy, both with four assists. Danda, along with Aura Edwards, are the men who do like to get the ball down and carry it. Edwards averaging 15 carries for 90 minutes. Danda with 12.63. So they, they, these boys like a dribble. That's cheating. Oh. He can't carry the ball. <laughs> wrong game, wrong sport. Thumbs up this podcast, doesn't it? Yeah, but that might mean you can drink on the train. <laughs> That's the last thing you need on a trip to Dingwall, Gary. 27 goals. <laughs> of those 27 goals for Ross County, 18 of them have come from open play. Again, open play expected goals of 16.25. That's the second lowest in the league. I mean, to be this many games in the season and you've only expected to score 16 goals from open play, that is not good. So they are clearly struggling to create chances. Six goals from set plays, that's against a set play expected goals of 8.36, so they are underperforming on that one. And whilst the acquisitions, oh sorry, a total expected goals of 26.3 is the lowest tally in the league. It's no surprise that when you see that they've got the lowest number of shots on target per match, they average just 2.7 per game in the league so far. And while the acquisitions of Eamon Brophy and Simon Murray in January seem to have helped a little bit, Gav's just pissing himself laughing here. Uh, the Staggies are still struggling in this area. Yeah, I'm sure Graham would agree with me. If I was a team that was struggling to score goals, Eamon Brophy's agent is the first person I'm calling. Oh, yeah, that of him speed dial. <laughs> Just constantly, is he available? Is he, oh, he's available. Whoa, what a stroke of luck. I cannot <laughs> understand who sanctioned that. Incredible scenes. Uh, that is Scotland International, Eamon Brophy, we're talking about, by the way. <sighs> Fucking hell, that's unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> Get yourself to the bookies. Eamon Brophy to score on this Friday. It's a dead cert now after this one. Defensively, County performed pretty well. They've got the fourth best defensive record in the league. They've conceded only 45 goals so far. That's an average of 1.5 per match. I can't believe that that's the fourth best record in the league when they're conceding one and a half goals a game. <laughs> this league this season, man. The cinch. Fucking hell. 34 of those goals against have come from open play. That's against an open play expected goals against a 33.87. So they're pretty much on par, if you like your master's puns today. Eight from set pieces against a set piece expected goals against of 8.51. So again, performing pretty much as expected. Two penalties conceded this season, which is uh, the lowest in the league. On one metric, it looks like Ross Laidlaw's having a decent season in the sticks. He's averaging 3.4 saves per game. That's the most in the league. He's made 106 saves across the season. Again, the highest. Eight clean sheets in the, so far this season. That's midpoint in the table. But that said, his expected goals on target conceded is 35.9, which is the second highest in the league. So that's the amount of goals he'd be expected to concede from the shots on target. Adams, 35.9. He has, however, conceded 42, which means he's got a goals prevented record of minus 6.1, which makes him the fourth worst goalkeeper in the league. What was it they say about statistics? Something, something, mini skirts. 
they go up and down like mini skirts. I think was the lad on Sports Sound that day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what a night! What a night! The Dons, fucking hell. Anyway, in terms of style of play, uh, this all comes a shock to everybody, I imagine. Not necessarily possession based, an average possession of 43.2% this season, placed the fourth lowest in the table, averaging just 2.18 passes per sequence of play, third lowest in the league on the, that metric. But they're not actually long balling it either. So I, I'm struggling to work out quite what they're doing. They're the fifth slowest in the league in terms of direct speed. The ball is moving on average. 1.49 metres per second. As you can see in the territory zones of control graphic, they're giving up territory pretty much all over the park. So as I expect, as we saw in Dingwall early in the season, as we saw in Pataudry early in the season, they're very much sitting in, letting you come at them. Although they will look to try and get players up and down the flanks. Uh, a PPDA of just 13.2 places them seventh in the league in terms of pressing, which also backs up that idea on the territory front. Malky McKay predominantly gone with either a 3-5-2 or a 3-4-1-2. Brophy and White have generally been leading the line, although as Gaff pointed out earlier in the show, Brophy substituted uh, with an injury at the weekend, so might be doubtful for this one on Friday. So there we go, gents. That is Dross County. What can we expect on Friday night, live on Sky Sports? God knows why they've picked this as a live game for the season. Presumably it's a quota issue. Um, what are your thoughts? Is there, uh, Every game now is huge, obviously. We need to keep the momentum going, but our record thing was not great. It's not going to be easy, is it? Well, I mean, as for why the game was on TV, clearly the execs at Sky looked into their crystal ball and knew that the away team would be coming into this game with all the momentum, looking to uh, cement third place before the split. Um, it's it's a weird one because like we've talked for a couple weeks now about how we've had a sequence of three games that we need to take maximum points from to have a... Um, a realistic chance of finishing third place in the league and you know we've done the taking care of the first two games we're now going into this game with the team that are um of those three oppositions the lowest ranked team but for me it's probably actually the hardest test of the of the three games Felix we we just we haven't traveled well to Dingwall for for some time now it is a Friday night kickoff so there's going to be the kind of travel aspect as well and they've come, they're coming off the back of a good win against St. Johnston for sure. The way results have panned out over the weekend, there's a, you know, Kilmarnock have definitely been dragged back into the um, relegation battle for sure. And I think the team that are currently placed in ninth, whose name is now currently escaping me. What are you looking for, Gav? The team that are placed in ninth, St. Johnston. St. Um, Johnston. Could easily um, be, be dragged into that as well with another um, set of results that... Um, go against St. Johnson. So they clearly have a lot to, to play for. They have made it difficult on the two occasions we played them this season. Um, last year, they were you know definitely not... Um, I mean, we didn't beat them last year. We've not beaten them for two seasons now, which is not great when you're Aberdeen you're talking about a team like Ross County. So I expect it to be, for sure, a, a very difficult fixture, um, a game that's probably going to be a battle uh, all over the pitch. Um, I think it's very good that we're going to have, very beneficial that we're going to have Graham Shinney back in the team for this one. Um, I, I think that it, it this could easily be one of those games where it's de- decided by a mistake or a moment of brilliance. Um, earlier in the season, we should have had that. We should have been saying that with Duke, but we uh, we contrived, as we've done so many times, to concede a, a stupid goal. I'm just hoping that we... We know what's available for us, what the kind of prize is if we can win this game. Um, you've got obviously the Edinburgh Derby. 
Um, I think St. Menon are playing one of the old firm at the weekend. So there's a chance to really, you know, open up a little bit of a, a cushion over our opposition going into the split. So it's a massive game and I really hope that we can uh, we can do it. Yeah, I agree with that. It's not going to be easy. And I was thinking, is there some way we can, well, basically sign Shea Logan because he had a tendency to score at Dingwall in, in winning matches, but that, that ship might have sailed a few years ago. Uh, it's going to be difficult. So have you seen coping during this season? Yeah, it's not, it's not going very well for them, is it? Um, obviously, taking a leaf out of the old Jim Goodwin defensive book there, unfortunately. Um, I think it's going to be difficult, but it's a really good sort of marker for what this team can do and what Robson can get out of them in so much as we've found ourselves in third with a two-point cushion, as Gavin said, every likelihood that one of your competitors is going to drop points, given that they're playing each other. Uh, obviously, St. Merrin are, are right in there as well. So it's a massive game. And if we can get the three points, just keeps us keeping on, really, doesn't it? Because I think we've got them at home as the last game before the split. So that'll obviously be yeah. pretty tricky. I've just checked. St. Merrin are at home to Rangers this weekend. No, no, St. Mirren are at Rangers this weekend. Did live score lie to me? Live score did lie to you. St. Correct, are correct, you are, yes. Yes, I'm always correct, Alan. Come on, you know this. Um, yeah, this is the thing, and it's the quirk of the fixtures now with the, the TV game I've picked on Friday night. It gives us that added advantage now. If we could, if we can get a win at, at Dingwall, no matter how it comes around, you put those three points on the board before these teams all have to play. You know, best one in the world, St. Mirren are unlikely to pick up anything at Ibrox. On, on Saturday if, if we if we win on Friday night it puts huge pressure on Hibs at that point we would be 10 points ahead of Hibs at that point which is unbelievable when you think about where we were just a few weeks ago um, we would if we win as well we'd also be 5 points ahead of Hearts at that point a, a draw at um, Easter Road seems as though it would be the perfect result for us coupled with a, a defeat for St Mirren at Ibrox and then before you know it you're in the split at that point. Now, the fixtures of the split are going to be interesting afterwards because we can now talk about this because we know where they're guaranteed. If the top six remains as it is at the moment, I think I'm right in thinking that Celtic are due to travel to all of the teams who are currently in the top six. Heart, Rangers, I think, are due to have all of the teams in the top six at home. I think Hearts are due to have something ridiculous like all of the teams visiting Tynecastle or something daft like that, or the majority of the teams are due to be at Tynecastle. There's going to be some funny jiggly-pokery going around, I think, with the fixtures when they eventually roll around. And one thing we might have in our advantage as well, and I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but with the result at Celtic Park on Saturday, the league is done for Persevco 5088 Limited. That won't be going to Ibrox. Um, I can see where this is going. The game after the final game for the split, I think I'm right with my fixture computer, is... The Scottish Cup semi-final. Let's be honest; it's probably likely that the winner of the Scottish Cup, the Scottish Cup, comes from the Celtic Rangers semi-final. Do Rangers possibly look at that fixture hand, and that's the only chance they've got of winning a trophy now this season? Do they rest a few players to to visit Pataudry? Gary, is is this a really long-winded way of asking us? Is this a good time to play Rangers? Is it a good time to play Rangers? That's what I'm asking. How about we have a little look at the old results? Let's let us get past. Let's. Uh, you're right, Gav. We're looking far too ahead of ourselves. Let's get. Let's get past Dingle on Friday night first. That is, Graham's never cringed that much whenever we've talked about wrestling. No, you're right. He hasn't. I know. It's good. 
It was a lovely moment. Um, yeah, Dingwall. I mean, yeah, like all that. All that matters is what we are in control of. And first of all, that is Ross County. Um, it's going to be difficult. I have no doubt about that at all. Um, they have a lot to play for. We have a lot to play for. It will be a battle. But we've shown in the last eight games that we are that we're more than up for that. By Robson in charge, the talent that we have on the pitch with your Leighton Clarksons, your Dukes, your Miofskis. I believe we have enough, more than enough, actually, to get this over the line. And then, like you say, put all the pressure on our on our opposition. Make an adventurous prediction, Gav. I am going to say, like I said, I think this will be decided by a moment of brilliance or a mistake. I'm going to say it's going to be a moment of brilliance from Leighton Clarkson. 1-0 Aberdeen. I'm going to say 2-1 Aberdeen. I think we will we'll ship a goal, but we will turn it around, and that will just prove that we're going to win the third place trophy we're going to do it we're going to do it for you yep get the open top bus booked <laughs> uh, I'm going to go optimistic here I think Ross County nil we'll keep another clean sheet Aberdeen three a Miofsky hat trick a draw for Hearts and Hibs Simon will get beat and yeah it's it's uh, suddenly all coming up Barry Robson <laughs> Or Dave Cormack, I don't know. Uh, anyway. Living, Livingston will beat St. Johnston. Hibs will drop out of the top six and prove once and for all that I was right, that Hibs will Hibs it this season. It's looking like it could happen. It really is. Well, I mean, there's absolutely no danger Hibs are beating Hearts the weekend. No, I fancy a draw. I fancy a draw there, I think. It's just, Hearts are some kind of like massive mental stumbling block when it comes to Hibs. So I think Hearts could, new manager, a little bit of a new manager, it's could absolutely scud hips at the weekend and get Lee Johnson out of there at long last anyway there we go that'll wrap us up for this week on the ABZ Football Podcast thanks for joining us thanks for persevering with us the technical issues that we've had um, with my setup here this evening I apologise your incompetence yes I apologise if it sounds like absolute rat shit normal service will be resumed next week I promise please remember to like subscribe or follow whatever you do on your podcast plate of choice Join us next week for episode 99, Red Balloons, where we'll review our visit to Dingwall. We'll look forward to the visit of Sevco 5088 Limited. Could be a good time to play them. Could be a good time to play them, Gav. You're absolutely right. You took the words right in my mouth. We'll look forward to seeing you then. Stamping. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!